بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about how at the end of the sixth year of the hijrah in the month of Dhul Qa'dah in the sixth year of the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ came with a group of 1,400 of his companions, 1,400 companions, and they came towards Mecca with the intention of making Umrah. So when they reached near Mecca, they camped out at a location called Al Hudaybiyah, which is right outside the boundaries of Mecca. So the Quraysh, they sent a number of people to meet the Prophet ﷺ at Hudaybiyah to make sure of what his intentions were. Why is he coming to Mecca? Does he really just want to make Umrah or does he have an intention to fight the Quraysh? Why is he here? So the Quraysh, they sent a number of people to talk to the Prophet ﷺ to find out why he had come. So when the Quraysh were finally assured and they were convinced that the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they came peacefully without any intention of fighting. They only came with the intention of Umrah. Then the Quraysh decided that they would negotiate with the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ sent Uthman ibn Affan into Mecca to directly negotiate with the leaders of the Quraysh, to talk with Abu Sufyan and the other leaders of the Quraysh to come to an agreement. So when Uthman entered Mecca, the Quraysh, they gave him permission to make tawaf. They said, if you would like, you can go and you can make tawaf of the Kaaba. But Uthman he declined and he said, I will not do it before the Messenger of Allah So the Prophet and the companions, they were expecting that Uthman would be in Mecca for a certain amount of time and then they were expecting him to come back. But he was held back in Mecca for a longer period than they expected. So they were expecting him to come back within a certain time frame. But he didn't come back within that time frame and he was held back for a much longer time. So this got the Prophet ﷺ and the companions worried. They were wondering, what happened to Uthman? Why is he taking so long? And then a rumor started that Uthman had been killed by the Quraysh. A rumor started that Uthman had actually been killed by the Quraysh. So of course, this made the Prophet ﷺ and the companions very sad. And they vowed that they would fight the Quraysh for this transgression. So the Sahaba, they took an oath of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ that they would fight the Quraysh and they would not turn back. They would not retreat, they would not turn away. They would fight and either be victorious or be killed. So the Prophet ﷺ, he sat down under a tree. There was a tree there at Al Hudaybiyah, and the Prophet ﷺ sat down under that tree and he took the oath of allegiance. He took this bay'ah from each one of the companions who was with him 1400 men. So they came to him one by one and they put their hands on the hand of the Prophet ﷺ and they took this oath of allegiance that they would fight and they would not run away. So the first one who took this bay'ah, the first one who took this pledge of allegiance was Abu Sinan al-Awsi radiallahu anhu. 
and they continued one by one until all of the companions who were with the Prophet ﷺ, they had taken this oath of allegiance. So all 1,400 people with the Prophet ﷺ, they took this pledge of allegiance, they took this bay'ah to the Prophet ﷺ, except the one munafiq who was with them. Remember there was one munafiq who was with them by the name of Al-Jid. Ibn Qais, so he didn't take this bay'ah, he didn't make this pledge of allegiance with the Prophet ﷺ. Rather, while the Sahaba were making their pledge of allegiance, Al-Jid ibn Qais, he was hiding behind the camels. So he wouldn't have to make this pledge of allegiance. So Al-Jid ibn Qais, he had a red-colored camel, and he was just hiding behind his camel while everyone else was making this oath of allegiance. So he's the only one who was present who didn't take the oath with the Prophet ﷺ, who didn't take this pledge with the Prophet ﷺ. So after taking the pledge of allegiance from all of the companions, after all of these 1,400 companions had come and put their hands on the hand of the Prophet ﷺ and taken this oath of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ, after it was all done, the Prophet ﷺ himself, he put his left hand on his right hand and he said this is for Uthman this is for Uthman so the pledge of allegiance was taken for Uthman by the Prophet himself so Uthman even though he was not there he is counted amongst the people who took that pledge of allegiance with the Prophet at Al-Hudaybiyyah and it was done by the blessed hand of the Prophet and this is a great honor for Uthman that his pledge of allegiance was taken by the hand of the Prophet himself. And the Sahaba, they said, The hand of the Prophet is better than all of our hands. So this was a great and special honor for Uthman ibn Affan. After they had all taken this pledge of allegiance, to the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet wasallam gave them a glad tiding. He said, لَيَدْخُلَنَّ الْجَنَّةَ مَنْ بَايَعَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ لَيَدْخُلَنَّ الْجَنَّةَ مَنْ بَايَعَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ إِلَّا صَاحِبَ الْجَمَلِ الْأَحْمَرِ That all of the people who took this pledge of allegiance under the tree, they are all going to enter Jannah. All of them are going to enter Jannah except the owner of the red camel. That was Al-Jid ibn Qais, the munafiq who didn't take the Pledge of Allegiance. So he was excluded from this promise of the Prophet So this was a great honor for those companions who were with the Prophet and took this Pledge of Allegiance to him on that day, that they are all from the people of Jannah anhum. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised these companions who took this Pledge of Allegiance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surely those who took the Pledge of Allegiance to you, O Muhammad وسلم, surely they have taken a Pledge of Allegiance with Allah and the hand of Allah is above their hands. So this is a great honor for these companions who took this Pledge of Allegiance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with the believers when they took the Pledge of Allegiance to you under the tree. So these companions have a special place in Islam 
and they are all from the people of Jannah radiallahu anhum ajma'in eventually the news reached the Muslims that the rumor of Uthman radiallahu anhu being killed was a false rumor that Uthman radiallahu anhu alhamdulillah he was safe and sound so there was no need to actually go and fight so once this was all clarified then the Quraysh they sent their representative to the Prophet ﷺ to start with the negotiations. So they sent Suhail ibn Amr. They sent Suhail ibn Amr on behalf of the Quraysh to make negotiations for this treaty with the Prophet ﷺ. So when the Prophet ﷺ saw Suhail, he saw Suhail coming towards them. He said, Suhail, sahalallahu lakum. They have sent Suhail, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will make this matter easy for you. So he knew that the Quraysh, by sending Suhail, that they wanted peace. The Prophet ﷺ, he knew the personalities of people. He knew that Suhail was a diplomatic person. And they would only send him if they wanted to negotiate peace terms. They knew, the Prophet ﷺ knew that he was not a person that they would send if they wanted to fight, if they wanted war. Rather, he was a person who they would send for peace. He was a diplomatic person. So the Prophet ﷺ knew this and he recognized this. So that's why he said, Suhail, Sahalallahu lakum. It is Suhail. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will make things easy for you. And it is clear that the Quraysh, they want to negotiate terms for peace. So when Suhail came to meet with the Prophet ﷺ, they spoke and they started talking about the conditions of the treaty. And to make it official, they decided to write down the conditions of the treaty. So Ali radiallahu an was writing the treaty down on behalf of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ali radiallahu an, he was the one who the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam entrusted with the responsibility for writing down the terms of the treaty. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he dictated, and he said to Ali radiallahu an, "Okay, start the treaty by writing Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim." So Ali radiallahu anhu, he wrote Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And after Ali radiallahu anhu wrote this, Suhail, he objected. He said, we are not familiar with this phrase, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. They did not recognize Ar-Rahman as one of the names of Allah. The kuffar of the Quraysh, they did not recognize Ar-Rahman as being one of the names of Allah. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمُ اسْجُدُوا لِلرَّحْمَانِ قَالُوا وَمَا الرَّحْمَانِ When it is said to them, make sujood, prostrate to Ar-Rahman, they say, who is Ar-Rahman? What is Ar-Rahman? So they did not recognize Ar-Rahman as being one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Ali radiallahu an wrote Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Suhail objected. He said, this is not how we start our documents. This is not the phrase that we use. Rather write, Bismikallahum. Write, in your name, O Allah. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam told Ali radiallahu an, he said, okay, go ahead. Erase it and write Bismikallahum. So Ali radiallahu an he changed it and he wrote Bismikallahum. And of course the meaning of Bismikallahum it's a good meaning it's fine. It means in your name Ya Allah. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had no objection to that. Then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he continued to dictate to Ali radiallahu an. So he told Ali radiallahu an to write Hatha ma salaha alayhi Muhammadur Rasulullah Suhail ibn Amr. This is a treaty that has been agreed upon by Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, and Suhail ibn Amr. 
So then Suhail objected again. When Ali radiallahu anhu wrote this, Suhail, he objected. He said, we do not recognize you as the messenger of Allah. If we recognize you as the messenger of Allah, then we wouldn't even be sitting here making this treaty. We would have all been your followers. So write your name and the name of your father. Write Muhammad ibn Abdullah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, okay. And he told Ali radiallahu anh, erase Rasulullah and change it to ibn Abdullah. And then Ali radiallahu anh, he said, Wallahi la amsahuhu ya Rasulullah. He said, ya Rasulullah, wallahi, I will not erase it. So the Prophet ﷺ understood this. This was out of the love that Ali radiallahu anh had for the Prophet ﷺ, that he didn't want to erase Rasulullah next to the name of Muhammad ﷺ, because he knew that he is definitely the messenger of Allah. So Ali radiallahu anh, he said, ya Rasulullah, no, I cannot erase it. So the Prophet ﷺ, he understood this and he asked Ali radiallahu anh, okay, just show me where is it written. The Prophet ﷺ, he didn't know how to read or write. So he couldn't tell by himself where is it written Rasulullah. So he asked Ali radiallahu anh, Ya Ali, you just pointed out to me, where is Rasulullah? I will erase it myself. So Ali radiallahu anh, he pointed to it. And the Prophet ﷺ himself, he erased the term Rasulullah. And then Ali radiallahu anh, he replaced it with Ibn Abdullah. So it became هذا ما صالح عليه محمد بن عبد الله سهيل ابن عمر This is the treaty that has been made between Muhammad the son of Abdullah and Suhail the son of Amr. So then after this the conditions were written down. So from the conditions of this treaty of Al-Hudaybiyyah, the conditions were that the Muslims must go back to Al-Madinah this year. They cannot enter Mecca, they cannot make Umrah this year. They have to go back. But they can come next year. They are allowed to come next year and make Umrah and they can stay in Mecca for a period of three days. And when they come next year, they are not, to, they are not allowed to carry any weapons with them except the basic weapons that a traveler carries with them. Of course, in travel, you have to have some weapons just in case anything happens. So they're not allowed to carry any heavy weaponry, but they are allowed to have the basic weapons of a traveler and those are swords. Travelers, they would, they would travel with swords and the swords have to be covered. They cannot be kept in the open. Also from the conditions of this treaty were that there will be 10 years of peace between the Quraysh and the Muslims. And this is a very important condition of this treaty. 10 years of peace between the Quraysh and the Muslims. So the Muslims, they will not try to fight with the Quraysh and the Quraysh, they will not try to fight with the Muslims for a period of 10 years, complete peace. So the Muslims will not ambush any of the caravans of the Quraysh for a period of 10 years. The Quraysh will not come and try to fight the Muslims for a period of 10 years. 10 years of complete peace. Also from the conditions was that anyone who becomes a Muslim in Mecca, anyone from the Quraysh who becomes a Muslim in Mecca and then they escape from Mecca and they go to Medina, the Prophet ﷺ has to send them back. The Prophet ﷺ has to send them back. But on the other hand, anyone who leaves from the Prophet ﷺ and goes to the Quraysh, the Quraysh, they do not have to send this person back. So some of the Sahaba, they, they were not happy with this condition. They felt that this condition is in favor of the Quraysh. Why do the Quraysh, they don't have to send our people back, but we have to send their people back. So some of the Sahaba, they were not happy with this condition. But the Prophet ﷺ understood that 
there is hikmah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind all of this. So he agreed to that condition as well. Also from the conditions was that any tribe who wants to enter into an alliance with the Prophet they may do so. And any tribe who wants to enter into an alliance with the Quraysh, he can do so, they can do so. So as soon as this condition was meant, mentioned, that any tribe who wants to make an alliance with the Muslims can do so, and any tribe that wants to make an alliance with the Quraysh, they may do so. As soon as this condition was set, Budayl ibn Warqa, who was one of the leaders of the tribe of Khuza'a, he said, Ana fi hilfi Muhammad. He said that, I am in an alliance with Muhammad. So he aligned his tribe, the tribe of Khuza'a, with the Muslims. He said, we are in alliance with the Muslims. And the tribe of Banu Bakr, they said, Nahnu fi hilfi Quraysh. The tribe of Banu Bakr, they said, we are in an alliance with Quraysh. So Khuza'a, they decided to enter into an alliance with the Muslims. And Banu Bakr, they decided to enter into an alliance with the Quraysh. Now remember this, this is a very important point because this seemingly small incident, Khuza'a aligning themselves with the Muslims and Banu Bakr aligning themselves with the Quraysh, this seemingly small incident is what eventually led to the Fath of Mecca. This incident is what led to the conquest of Mecca, the Muslims conquering Mecca. So what it meant actually, Khuza'a entering into an alliance with the Muslims, it means anyone who attacks Khuza'a, anyone who attacks the tribe of Khuza'a, it is as if they attack the Muslims. And Banu Bakr entering into an alliance with the Quraysh, it means anyone who attacks the tribe of Banu Bakr, it is as if they have attacked the Quraysh. So remember this, when we talk about the Fath Makkah later, inshallah, this is the incident that led to it. So, just as the writing of the treaty was about to be completed, when, the, when the, the writing of the treaty was about to be completed, the first test came to the Muslims. Will the Muslims really abide to this treaty? The first test came right there at Hudaybiyah. There was a scream that was heard. And the scream was from a man named Abu Jandal. And Abu Jandal was a man from Mecca who had become Muslim and he had escaped. He heard that the Muslims are nearby, the Muslims are, are at Hudaybiyah. So he escaped from Mecca and he came to Hudaybiyah to put himself under the protection of the Prophet and the Muslims. And it happens to be that Abu Jandal was who? Abu Jandal was the son of Suhail ibn Amr. He was the son of Suhail ibn Amr who was the one who was negotiating this treaty with the Prophet So right there, Abu Jandal, he comes and he asks for protection from the Muslims. He says, I have escaped from the Quraysh and I want to have protection from the Muslims and I want to go back with you to Medina. So Suhail, he said to the Prophet wasallam, we just made this agreement that anyone who comes from Mecca to you, you have to send him back. Abu Jandal, he had no idea. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know that they were making negotiations and they were making a contract. So the Prophet wasallam, he said to Suhail ibn Amr, he said, yes, you can take your son back. So Abu Jandal was shocked because he didn't know about these negotiations. He didn't know about these conditions. He had no idea what was going on. So he was shocked that he was being sent back to the people who were torturing him. He was being sent back to the Quraysh after he sought protection from the Muslims. 
So as he was being taken back, he said, لا تتركوني ولا تعيدوني إليهم يفتنوني في ديني He said, don't leave me. Don't send me back to them. They will torture me. And of course, this was very painful for the Prophet ﷺ. Very painful for the Muslims to do this. But there was hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind this. You know, in these situations, we only see one piece of the puzzle. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows the whole picture. And He knows that there is khair in these things, even if we cannot see it. So the Prophet ﷺ knew that the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of plans. So He said to Abu Jandal, He said, Isbir wahtasib la'allallaha yaj'alu laka wa li ashabika makhraja. He said to Abu Jandal, Ya Abu Jandal, be patient and seek reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what you're going through. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out for you and the people who are with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you and He will make a way out for you. So the Sahaba seeing this, seeing their brother Abu Jandal being taken back, they were crying. This was very painful for them to see this. But Umar radiallahu anhu didn't cry. And he went near Abu Jandal. He went close to Abu Jandal. And Umar radiallahu anhu had a sword with him. He just went close to Abu Jandal at a distance where Abu Jandal could easily take the sword of Umar ibn al-Khattab. And he said to Abu Jandal, he said, Ya Abu Jandal, innama al-mushrikuna najas wa innama damu ahadihim damu kalb. He said, O oh Abu Jandal, surely the mushrikun they are impure, they are filthy. And the blood of one of them is the blood of a dog. So what was he actually trying to say to Abu Jandal here? He was trying to say to him, just take my sword and kill your father and you can run away. But Abu Jandal, of course, he couldn't do this. He couldn't kill his own father. And why didn't Umar do it himself? Because Umar he was included in the people who were bound by this treaty. This treaty that was made between the Prophet ﷺ and Suhail ibn Amr. Umar ibn al-Khattab was with the jama'ah, with the Prophet ﷺ. So he had to abide to the conditions of this treaty. But as for Abu Jandal, he was not part of this group. So he was not part of that treaty. So Umar was thinking that Abu Jandal, he can take the sword, he can kill his father, he can kill Suhail, and he can escape. And then he wouldn't have to go back and be tortured in Mecca. But Abu Jandal, he couldn't do this. He couldn't bring himself to do this. And imagine, if he had done it, if he had killed Suhail ibn Amr, this would have opened a new box of problems for the Muslims. It would start a war between the Muslims and the Quraysh. But Umar radiallahu anhu, he was in such a state that he wasn't thinking about that. He wasn't thinking about the possible consequences or the repercussions of doing this type of an action. So the emotions were running high. And you know, Umar radiallahu anhu, he wasn't thinking that far ahead of what could happen as a result of doing this. But anyways, it didn't come to that because Abu Jandal, he didn't take the sword of Umar ibn al-Khattab and he didn't kill his father. So after the treaty was written and after everything was done, it was time for the Muslims now to head back to Al-Madinah. There's not going to be an Umrah this year. It's time to go back to Al-Madinah. So of course the Sahaba radiallahu anhum who were so excited about coming for Umrah after so many years, they were very disappointed in how these things turned out. And it looked like, it looked on the surface as if the kuffar had gotten the upper hand. So Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he was one of the companions who was very disappointed 
at the way things had turned out. So he went to the Prophet and he asked the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, Alasna al-Haqqi wa al-Batil. He said, Ya Rasulullah, aren't we on the Haqq? Aren't we Muslims on the truth? And our enemies, these kuffar of the Quraysh, they are upon falsehood. And the Prophet said, Bala. Yes. And then Umar asked the Prophet then Ya Rasulullah, why are we taking this humiliation? Why are we taking this humiliation? Why are we allowing them to have the upper hand? And then the Prophet ﷺ, he replied to Umar he said, Inni Rasulullah, walastu nasiri. He said, surely I am the messenger of Allah and I do not disobey Allah. And surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is my helper. Then Umar asked the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ya Rasulullah, didn't you tell us that we would come to the Kaaba and make tawaf? Remember, the Prophet ﷺ told his companions about his dream. His dream that he and his companions came into Mecca and they went to the Kaaba and they made tawaf. So Umar asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, didn't you tell us that we would come and we would go to the Kaaba and we would make tawaf? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, I said that. But did I say that it would be this year? Did I say that it would be this year? And Umar he said, no, you didn't say it would be this year, Ya Rasulullah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, you will come and you will make tawaf. You will come back and you will make tawaf. Then Umar he went to Abu Bakr and he asked the same questions. He said to Abu Bakr, Ya Abu Bakr, alasna ala al-haqqi. Aren't we on the truth and our enemies, they are upon falsehood? And Abu Bakr he replied in the same way as the Prophet replied. He said, yes. And then Umar he said, then why are we taking this humiliation? And then Abu Bakr he replied to Umar he said, Ayyuhar rajul, innahu la rasulullah. وَلَيْسَ يَعْصِي رَبَّهُ وَهُوَ نَاصِرُهُ فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِغَرْزِهِ فَوَاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ عَلَى الْحَقِّ He said, O oh man, Ya Umar, surely he is the messenger of Allah and he does not disobey his Lord. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is his helper. So cling firm to whatever he does. Follow his footsteps. Follow him exactly. Because wallahi, he is upon the haqq. He is upon the truth. And then Umar radiallahu an asked Abu Bakr radiallahu an. He said, didn't he say, didn't Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam tell us that we will come to the Kaaba and we will make tawaf? And then Abu Bakr radiallahu an said, yes, he said that. But did he say it would be this year? Exactly. He's, he's answering in the same way as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam answered. He said, yes. But did he say it would be this year? And Umar said no. So Abu Bakr told him, okay, you will come back and you will make tawaf. Don't worry, you will come back and you will make tawaf. So Umar he mentions that after that incident, after asking these questions to the Prophet and to Abu Bakr, Umar felt guilty. And he did all sorts of good deeds for the rest of his life to make up for those questions on that day. He would give sadaqah, he would free slaves, he would do good deeds in order to make up for those questions that he asked on that day. 
So now the time had come to leave. It's time to leave Al-Hudaybiyah and go back to Al-Madinah. So the Prophet Sallallahu he told his companions, and remember, they're all still in Ihram. They're still in Ihram because they came with the intention for Umrah. So the Prophet said to them, He said, okay guys, stand up and sacrifice your animals and cut or shave your hair so that you will be out of Ihram. Get out of your Ihram. So the companions who had come all this way with their Ihram with the intention to make Umrah, they were so disappointed that they're not making Umrah. So they didn't want to do this. They didn't want to get out of their Ihram. So when the Prophet ﷺ told them, Stand up and sacrifice your animals and shave your heads and get out of your ihram. The companions, they, they didn't stand up. They didn't do it because they were feeling so sad that they're not making umrah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he repeated it again and still no one stood up to do it. So the Prophet ﷺ was upset that they were not following his command. So he went inside his tent and his wife, Umm Salama, radiallahu anha, she was the one who had accompanied him on this journey. The Prophet ﷺ told his wife about what was happening. He told her that I commanded them to sacrifice their animals and shave their heads and get out of Ihram, and they're not following my command. So, the Pro- uh, so Umm Salama, radiallahu anha, she said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, do you want them to do it? Would you love them to do it? And he said, yes, I want them to do it. So she said to him, okay, if you want them to do it, then you just go out and don't say a word to anyone. Don't say anything to anyone and you go, you sacrifice your animal, you call for the hair cutter to come and have him shave your head. You just do it and they will see you and then they will do it. They will follow you. So the Prophet ﷺ, he took this advice from his wife. He went out, he didn't say a word to anyone. He sacrificed his animal. He called for the barber. And he had his own head shaved. And when they saw that he did it, then the Sahaba, they rushed to do it. To sacrifice their animals and to shave their heads and to cut their hair. So this advice of Umm Salama radiallahu anha was a very good advice that she gave to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So some of the Sahaba, they shaved their heads completely. The Prophet sallallahu he shaved his head. And a number of the Sahaba, they also shaved their heads, but some of the Sahaba, they didn't shave completely, rather they just cut their hair. And both ways are permissible, but it's better to shave. So when the Prophet ﷺ saw this, he said, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon the people who shave their heads completely. And then someone said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, wal muqassireen, and what about the people who just cut their hair? Then the Prophet ﷺ said again, المحلقين, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon the people who shave their hair completely. And then he was asked again, والمقصرين, And the people who are just cutting their hair? And then the Prophet ﷺ said again, المحلقين, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon the people who shave their hair completely. And then he was asked again, Ya Rasulullah, والمقصرين, and the people who just cut their hair, and then the Prophet ﷺ said, والمقصري, And those people who just cut their hair. So he made three du'as for the people who completely shave their hair, and one for the people who cut their hair. So both ways are permissible, but it is better to shave it completely. And that was the end 
of what happened at Al-Hudaybiyah and then the Muslims they headed back to Al-Madinah. Regarding the treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described it in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding the treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah, inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. Surely we have given you a clear victory. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called this treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah a victory for the Muslims. So just looking at the conditions of the treaty at its surface, maybe some people might not see how this is a victory for the Muslims. But as we mentioned, the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best plan. And sometimes we only see pieces of the puzzle where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows the whole situation. So this treaty was actually a huge, huge victory for the Muslims. And inshallah, next week we will talk about some of the great effects that the treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah had for the Muslims and the spread of Islam. And we'll talk about those effects next week, bi-idhnillah. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.